You are listening to Addicts in Recovery. This is Zach, and I will be hosting this week's podcast. Uh, Kevin and Mike are actually out again. They're living their best lives, I guess. And so I'm here to help kind of get you guys another recovery podcast for the week. I want to start off this podcast, first of all, with a thank you to everybody that's listening. Um, I know that we've kind of lost our groove as far as consistency goes, but we're working really hard to make sure that we get a podcast out every week so that you guys have something to listen to. Um, We're so, so, so grateful just for the people that are listening and the feedback that we get on Instagram and the questions we get and engaging with you guys. it, It really makes it worthwhile. So if you have any questions, if you have any comments, if you want to talk about a specific subject, anything like that, feel free to message us on Instagram and we would be so beyond happy to talk about whatever it is, uh, whatever it is that you guys want to hear. I, uh, I spent some time thinking about what it was that I wanted to talk about this week. And it's really hard not to talk about yourself when you're the only one on the podcast. So what I, what I decided to uh, do is pick a topic that is very, uh, is very real in my life and very prevalent. And that is my anxiety. I have... I'm I'm a very anxious person and I've said that before on several occasions and so I really want to talk about anxiety and um, it had to be pointed out to me that I had anxiety. I thought I was just a naturally high-strung person and I would like to kind of discuss what my anxiety looks like and kind of how I cope with it. Before continuing on, however, I just want to lay this out there. I am no, no therapist. I have no credentials in that. I have no uh, background in any type of therapy or psychology. So everything I say uh, is what happened with me and is what I do in my life to help me manage my anxiety. And I'm I'm just going to throw out suggestions of what I do. And hopefully some of those could potentially help. I googled the definition of anxiety and I wanted something to work off of. So what I found is according to according to Google and who knows if this is 100% correct but it's a good start. Uh, anxiety is a feeling of worry, nervousness or unease about something without a certain outcome. Uh, the way that I would define my anxiety would be that there is always something around the corner. I can't let myself relax. Uh, I can't let myself be at peace because for some reason, I always have to be prepared for this next thing, right? And it's almost like there's always this small kind of monster in the room. And no matter what situation I'm in, it's always kind of right in the back of my head, uh, gnawing at me. And I know that's kind of a rough, a rough description of how I feel when I am in those anxious moments. Uh, but maybe I'm going to go over some symptoms and maybe you can relate to that and then see 
what I mean by uh, kind of the, the monster in the room or something around the next corner. So I made a list of symptoms that I have uh, that are in regards to my anxiety, right? And the first one is excessive worrying. I can worry about things all the way up until I end up dead. Um, I can literally worry things to death. And there are things that don't necessarily have um, any anything to do with the way that I'm living at this moment in time, right? So I can take a project that calls for, uh, I guess, a school project that calls for a decent amount of work over a month's period of time, right? And my anxiety will get me going so much uh, on how am I going to get this done? How am I going to get this good grade? How am I going to push this to get this through? And what will happen is I I will have this month-long project uh, slapped together in a very short amount of time, probably a week, uh, which is completely unnecessary. I don't need to do that. Uh, But the reason that I do that is because if I don't, then I'll just continue worrying about it. And so the first symptom that I that I, I really feel or that I notice the most is my excessive worrying. Here is the tricky thing with excessive worrying that I faced. And that is that I always excessively worried. It had to be pointed out to me that normal people don't excessively worry about things all the time. They're not always on edge. They're not always looking around the next turn, waiting for something to jump out of the bushes or waiting for you know something to fly across that you have to catch or to save your life or whatever it may be. Normal people live life without that. And that was something that I was not aware of. And so... I, I actually had to have it pointed out to me by a, a licensed therapist uh, stating or showing me that this isn't normal, normal behavior like I thought it was. The second symptom that I will notice fairly quickly is feeling agitated about simple, small things. I spend so much of my day worrying about these things that are so big and so massive and are life-defining, like school projects or my grades or my job, whatever it may be, that really aren't that life-defining, right? And and then I would, these little things, these just tiny little things, like I would get to a gas station and all the pumps are full. Well, I am immediately, I'm immediately pissed because I can't go fuel my car up, right? Just tiny things. And when I am not in control of my anxiety, these tiny little feelings of, uh, of agitation come out over just dumb, dumb things. I'm sure that I am not the only person who is amazed at some of the dumb things they can get upset about. I, I mean, it's it's incredible. 
So being easily agitated is a really good sign that I have some underlying anxiety of regarding other things and it's presenting itself in my emotional dysregulation. The third symptom that I experience is restlessness. I can get so restless when I don't have something that I personally deem as fulfilling. Uh, and I guess what I mean is there's a lot of people that can sit on a couch and, and binge a Netflix series for a week at a time. I can't do that. Uh, or there are people that can just go to the movies or there are people that can uh, kind of live life without any type of direction and that's something that really messes me up. Um, I feel like immediately my anxiety will start telling me, oh, well, you're not doing anything with any type of purpose. So obviously you're not living a productive life, which means obviously you're not being a productive human being, which means obviously you're not worth living. And that sounds absolutely insane. But that's what my anxiety tells me. So in reaction to that, I naturally just want to be moving and want to be doing something and feel like I need to be committed to a project or to some personal growth or to something that will push my life forward. And that doesn't need to be the case. Uh, apparently, normal people without anxiety can binge a Netflix show. It's incredible. Uh, people without anxiety can do things that don't somehow in some way progress their life forward. Uh, normal people can just sit in nothing and do nothing and be okay with that. And that really shows that my levels of anxiety are there and they are real and they aren't going away by themselves. The fourth thing is something that I really experienced early on and I thought was uh, like a lack of nutrients and that is I would, I would get this fatigue, this daily fatigue. And this symptom is so... It's so tricky, right? So like when, when you think, oh, I have anxiety, then you think, oh, I'm high strung. I'm going to stay up uh, a lot or, you know, I'm not going to be able to sleep. But what happens, what happened to me is I would wake up in the morning and I would be running my mind so hard, so fast from the moment I wake up all the way through lunch, the second that I eat lunch and I have the, I guess the dopamine spike of the food, I could knock, I, I'll, I'll be out. I will pass out for, uh, on average, it's about two hours. I could sleep. I mean, nothing will wake me up. And I initially thought that it was a nutrient thing until it was pointed out to me that I spend so much energy stressing on things and worrying about things and thinking about things that when it's time, when my body finally is done with it, it's done with it. And then I'm exhausted and I don't want to do anything and I can barely stay awake because I've literally exhausted a day's worth of energy in the first five hours of being awake. The 
Next one is uh, difficulty concentrating. And this was something that I initially, when I was younger, um, I would hear all of my friends getting Adderall and Ritalin and all of these things that help them concentrate because they have ADD and ADHD. And like I said, I am no clinician. I'm no therapist or psychologist. Uh, but what I what I do know is that for me was was very real. I could not concentrate on things. But I, it wasn't because I, I couldn't stay focused or like I had the inability to stay focused. It was because I had the ability to stay focused on other things things. And I was, and I had the inability of letting those things go. So I would read when I was a kid, I, something would piss me off. I would get into an argument with my parents or whatever. And I would go into my room and I would start reading and I could not finish a page of a book and then tell you what that page said. I could read it. I mean, easy, word for word. I could pronounce the words and everything, but I could not tell you what the story said because my mind, as part of my mind was reading the words, the other part of my mind was recircling the conversation that I had. And that carried on with me. And what happened was I I had a really hard time in school. I had a really hard time. Still to this day, I have a really hard time reading sometimes because my anxiety is running other things, things that I deem as more important or uh, situations that happened that have turned into resentments that I then have anxiety over how to resolve, right? So difficulty concentrating was a really is a really big one for me. This next symptom that I have really attributed a lot to my drinking and my drug use, and uh, and that is I am awkward in social situations. Uh, I actually just shared this the other day is I'm really good at being put under a spotlight and I can perform anything, right? But when I'm put into a social situation where there's small talk involved, where I'm surrounded by people, where I have these this anxiety of, of being accepted of um, I don't know, I don't know what else the anxiety fuels, but, there, that was the reason, one of the main reasons why I started drinking and using was because when I got drunk or when I got high, social anxiety was gone. I didn't, I didn't care what you thought. Uh, I could just do whatever I did and whatever I wanted to, and I didn't care whether you liked me or not. Uh, but without the drink and the drugs, I still end up with this social anxiety, these avoiding these situations. And there have been several times just here while I'm in the UK where I've had to force myself against my, my instincts to go to these social gatherings and go to these events that I didn't want to go to. Because I could come up with every excuse in the book on why not to go. And that is every bit my anxiety avoiding talking to people and avoiding presenting myself and avoiding the fear of rejection. The last symptom that I experience is <laughs> irrational fears. I can worry about some of the dumbest things on the planet that just don't make any sense. 
And one thing that I really like to attribute my irrational fears to is future tripping. And what I mean by future tripping, for those of you who don't know, uh, it's worrying excessively about the future. Am I going to be okay? Is this going to turn out the way that I want it to? Is this going to turn out the way that I expect it to? Is this going to happen? Is that going to happen? Am I going to be all right when this happens? Will I be able to do this? Just so many questions that I get caught up in and to what avail? What happens if I end up taking a class that is too hard to take? I know I keep referring to school, but that's just because that's kind of my thing right now. All of these questions that push through my head about the future, about just shit that has nothing to do with living in this moment is huge, uh, is a huge sign that I have anxiety running out of control. All right, so we're almost 20 minutes in, and I'm sure that I have set the precedent of what my anxiety looks like and kind of what anxiety is in general. Um, I want to talk now about how I cope with it. The things that I do to get my head out of myself, uh, to stop the spinning and the mind running and the future tripping, uh, to stop the the lies because my anxiety is something that just consistently lies to me about how I'm not good enough, I'm not accepted, I'm not this, I'm not that. And it really comes down to this convincing, uh, this constant attempt to convince me that I'm not okay. So here are some of the things that I do uh, to face this because it doesn't go away by itself. I could, I could sit and wish it away all I want, and then I'd probably get anxiety about the fact that I have anxiety, which is a very anxious thing to do. And uh, so I, I actually had to take steps to, to face it. And I want to point out before anything, sometimes I don't. I don't face my anxiety. And sometimes I even put myself in these situations where my anxiety is through the roof and I probably knew from the get-go that that was probably going to happen. And that's because I'm human and sometimes I just make those mistakes. So I don't cope with it sometimes. And I want to throw that in there first off so it doesn't sound like I am some you know, God or somebody who's completely overcome their anxiety. Because I don't necessarily know if people that are, uh, I want to say plagued with it, completely overcome it. I don't, I don't think that that is in the ballpark, but maybe. And if you do completely overcome it, please give me a shout out on Instagram. I would love to know how you did it. The first thing that I do to combat my anxiety is to regularly exercise. If you know me personally, then you know how active I am. Rarely is there a day where I am not I where I'm not outside doing something. I rock climb on a regular basis. I bike on a regular basis, even while I'm in the UK. Uh, I don't really hike as much anymore, but when I'm at home, I, I hike all the time. I run. Um, I know that there's so many people that say, you know, running sucks. And 
it relatively does sometimes. However, it's really good at letting a lot of energy out because that's what I have. I, for some reason, have all this pent up energy in my mind that I need to get rid of. And that's a really good way to get rid of it. Um, and then an even better way is for me is yoga. Yoga is so nice. Um, I know that everybody thinks of like, oh, yoga's hippy dippy bullshit and whatever else, but it really not only does it fit with exercise and self care, it also fits with meditation because it runs you through these breathing processes. It runs you through these moments of still and of silence um it teaches you how to how to stay in the moment and these poses actually help with you know flexibility and they help prevent injury and they help you just generally feel better um i'm an avid avid supporter of yoga i mean avid supporter of exercise in general because it's one of the best ways to fight depression it's one of the best ways to fight anxiety it's just a great way to have general better health um the next thing that i want to get into since i've already talked about yoga is meditation meditation is something that some people call prayer uh others actually separate their prayer from their meditations uh, but it's it's the process of finding center. And kind of what I mean is when I close my eyes, there's a reel of, of movie clips that are running through my mind of everything that's happened in my life, and it just constantly is spinning this reel, right? And when I am meditating, my intention is to stop that reel and just live in the nothing, live in the stop, uh, to sit in the room and listen to the hum of my mini fridge or to listen to the click of a clock, right? Um, I, yeah, and I'm talking about an, a- an actual analog clock. Um, anything to, to stop my thought process in its tracks, that is that is kind of what I see as meditation. Sometimes I'll even I'll even say a movie is meditation, right? Because it separates me from my mind and puts me for I don't know two hours into some other alternate reality, and that separates me from my anxiety because I'm just I'm watching this movie, right? I'm not worried about what school has or what he said or if they think this or if this happens or whatever that may be. I am in this trance almost, this this meditation. The next thing that I do that has turned out really well for me is uh, cutting back the regular caffeine that I intake on a daily basis. When I first got into rehab, I had these huge, just these atrocious levels of anxiety. And I was always worried about something, whatever it may be. And usually it was the future was the thing that really got me. And I didn't realize that a lot of it was attributed to the fact that I was drinking this pot of black sludge. I I mean, I wouldn't even call it coffee. It was, it was so dark and, uh, I mean, almost gritty that was kind of promoting that anxiety, right? It was provoking it. Uh, I'm a generally anxious person as is. I don't need 
to have that much caffeine in my life. Yeah, I need a little bit of caffeine to get myself going throughout the day or else I'm very sluggish. I have headaches. It's just bad. Yes, I'm an addict. I'm probably addicted to it. However, I don't need to have a pot a day and I don't need to have 12 cups of coffee throughout a day. I don't need to have any more than just a, a, I usually have like a cup a morning. And, and I'm relatively good. Every once in a while, I'll get buck wild and crazy and have two cups a day. Um, but what that does is that cuts back my, my mind spinning because it's not being accelerated by caffeine. And so that's one of the most simple steps that I have taken to cut back my, uh, my anxiety. Well, to combat my anxiety is to actually just cut back on my caffeine. This next thing is a little bit more controversial. Uh, It has a lot of taboo to it, but I think it's something worth really talking about. And one of the main things that I do to combat my anxiety is I take an antidepressant. Um, I know, oh my God, I'm in recovery and I take drugs, blah, blah, blah. For years. The first year and a half of my recovery, recovery, I wouldn't take anything. I would, I was hesitant to take ibuprofen, and it took just this constant uh, reminder of how much anxiety I have and living in it over and over and over again, and getting it pointed out to me by my therapist that I have so much anxiety. Uh, it took all of that before I finally caved one day and said, you know what, I'll just, I'll just try it. I had the open-mindedness to try it. The best thing I think about the, the antidepressants that I take, it's an SSRI, is I can't, I can't abuse it. I mean, I could, but there's no, there's no like psychological effect to it. Um, I mean, it takes two weeks initially just to work. So what I have found is antidepressants, I used to think that they were a crutch and I used to think that people didn't need them. Um, I was always on the side of you don't need medications to, to be happy, right? People were happy before then or before now and you don't need to be happy or you don't need drugs to stay happy. You can find it yourself. And I still believe that. I still believe that you can find happiness without medication. However, it is so much more difficult. How many people in this world have the time and the energy to put into just finding centeredness? I mean, there are monks that do it in monasteries all across the world. They devote their entire lives just to find peace of mind. I don't have that kind of time. So as the wise words of uh, John Beamer once told me, he said, take the crutch. Just take it. Get your ego out of the way and take the crutch. And it has helped me a lot. Now, I know it's not for everybody, and I know that I am just speaking for myself when I say this, uh, but my the medications that I take significantly help with my anxiety. I still get it. It doesn't go away. And I don't think that just taking a medication helps. Medications coupled with therapy and coupled with recovery and a 12-step, well, and any program, I don't even want to say 12-step program, just any program of, of growth, just the combination is, is unbeatable. It's, it's so helpful. 
in my life that I, I am almost a completely different person because of it. Uh, one of the things that really concerned me, I'm going to go over some of these things that concern me uh, with medications. And the first one was I don't want to live in a world where I run out. Because what happens when I run out? Well, I'm going to start feeling weird. I'm going to start wanting to uh, find other ways to medicate because I've been medicating my entire life, right? Uh, and this was this concern that I had is valid, but at the same time, we live in the 20th century where these medications are all over the world, right? And with a little uh, with a little planning, future planning, it's really easy to live a completely and totally normal life with these medications. I mean, I've traveled for months now and I've never had to, to go without it because of just this. I mean, I just spent a little time planning and making sure that I, I had what I needed. Um, the second thing that really concerned me is, oh my God, those medications are going to take away who I am as a person. They're going to take away my, my identity. And that is also such a valid fear, right? I've spent my time as this drug addict and as this alcoholic and, and trying to find myself after all of that is gone. And I spent a year and a half trying to figure out who I am. And then you, my therapist suggests that I should be taking this other medication, which will change who I am. It'll change what I'm motivated for because all my motivations are fueled by anxiety. How can I possibly want to do anything with my life if I don't you know, have the anxiety to push me forward. All of that is anxiety. Everything I just said right there is totally anxiety. I can attest for me that medications do not take away my identity. They just don't. I, I'm actually so much more calm and, and at peace that I can think about things that I do want to do. Like I can actually focus on things. I can spend my time in the moment. Uh, when I first got out of out of treatment and I was spending these these parties with my family, I wasn't even at the party. I was too concerned about other things. But now I can go and I can celebrate uh, a birthday or I can celebrate a holiday and I can sit there in the moment and actually enjoy it. And that's, that's not stealing my identity. That's giving me the opportunity to be the person that I am meant to be. And so medications for me, they do have a lot of taboo to them. And like I said, I'm no doctor or therapist, but for me, they really, truly helped. The last thing that I do to combat my anxiety is I continuously tell myself this simple sentence. I am going to face it when it comes. Those words are so powerful. Uh, everybody, everybody says that, you know, your words make your reality, right? Your vocabulary makes your reality. Well, that right there, that one sentence helps me so much because it's, it's true. It's, it's one of those, you know what, fuck it. When it happens, I will face it. I, but as of right now, I'm wasting my life worrying about it. There's nothing I can do or I've done everything that I can do and now all I have to do is live my life. If it fucks up, if something goes south, if something gets screwed up, whatever it may be, I will face it when it gets here. And I have to consistently have this level of faith 
that I'm going to make it through. And that faith comes from knowing full well that I have survived this long, okay? I have survived a horrible drug addiction. I have survived all of the stupid shit that I did during that drug addiction, all the weird chemicals that I jammed in my body, all of the crazy nights that I had, all of the shit that I've done, I've survived. And so as long as I stay sober, there's almost nothing on this planet that is going to be harder to get through than what I went through in early recovery. And I think I'm such a, I'm, I'm a huge supporter in continuing education and moving your life forward. And what I, what I have to really, what I have to share about that is there is nothing, nothing that I have faced. I have, I've gone through death. I have, I've seen my friends, so many of my friends die. Okay. I've had family members die. I've had, I've had friends and family get, get illnesses, chronic illnesses, and all of those things, okay, that I that I have been through and I have experienced, um, do not add up to even one day of early recovery. Of how hard it is, of how much work it goes into it, of how miserable it is to be there. And so I really just I I tell myself this on a regular basis. I will face that when it comes, and when it gets here. I will somehow at that point in time have the have the tools to face it. And it's actually in the AA Ninth Step Promises. Uh, we will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. I'm not going to bring, I know I just brought God in, but it's, it's really just, I, I have to have faith that things are going to work out the way that they work out. Because my anxiety wants to convince me that everything is not going to be okay, that I'm not going to make it, that I'm going to end up dead, that I'm going to fail this exam. I'm going to feel so bad that I failed the exam. I'm going to go out and get drunk. And then after I get drunk, I'm going to end up going completely out and failing all of my classes, which then I will end up to be a college dropout because I can't keep up with my grades because I'm drinking too much. I end up face down in a gutter and then I end up dying from exposure because it's a winter night, right? That's where my anxiety goes. It's insane. I can run from one thing all the way to my death. And, and so when those things happen, I just have to face them when they come. I have to tell myself over and over again, face it when it comes. I remember sitting in a meeting and there was this really smart, just this wise old man. And he was such a smart ass. And he said, uh, there's 86,400 seconds in a day. Okay. So if you divide that into minutes, right, that's, that's 1440, which is what he, he calls his day. It's the 1440. And so there's 1440 minutes, 1,440 minutes in a day. Divide that by three. You have eight hours for sleeping. You have eight hours for work, which means you have eight hours a day left to yourself. And uh, I would spend that eight hours. Typically, I do. I, I spend that eight hours thinking about shit that has nothing to actually do with living, whether it's in the past or whether it's in the future. It has nothing to do with living because... I don't, I don't even know why I do it, but I, I, I end up just naturally doing that. And the times that I find peace and that I find serenity is when I'm staying in this moment. 
And it's so cliche when people say live in the moment, but it's true. That's where I find, that's where I find my serenity. Um, one of the things that I firmly believe is that the future is make believe. The future is a construct, a concept that humans made up in, out of self-preservation so that they could survive another day. It's not real. None of it's real. And so how do I know what's actually going to happen tomorrow? How do I know if I even get it tomorrow? I don't. And so why, why not just wait and then face the problems or the fears when they come? Uh, because the opposite, of, the opposite of fear is faith. I, I firmly believe that. It's just having some solid level of faith that shit's going to be okay. Because it has been. Here I am. I'm standing up. Right. Well, actually, I'm sitting down, but I'm I'm breathing. I'm alive. I'm putting out a podcast to help other people. Right. I never would have expected this to ever happen five years ago. I never would have thought that I'd be here. So how can I predict what's coming next? Because I never predicted that I'd get sober. I never predicted that I would go to school. I never predicted that I would move to a fucking foreign country to go to school. Hey, I never predicted any of those things. I never predicted I would be in recovery or that I would help other people in recovery. I never predicted any of that. It all came at the moment that it came because I don't believe there's such thing as coincidence. It all works out for a reason. Now you guys have learned about what my anxiety looks like and about what I do to cope with that anxiety. A lot of the things that I do don't just battle anxiety. They also battle other things like depression, uh, bipolar. I, I know a lot of people that do many of the same things that I do to help get over their mental ailments, I guess. And I really wanted to put this out in case anybody is struggling with anxiety, with depression, with bipolar, whatever it may be, don't do it alone. It's just not, it's not worth it. And you're not alone. If you're listening to this podcast and you think I'm the only person that, you know, hates themselves or I'm the only person that struggles with being in public or I'm the only person that can make themselves all alone in a room full of crowded people, you're not. You are not alone. There are millions of people that suffer from the same things that are going through the same trials and tribulations that are all struggling because it's part of the human condition. It's just the way that we are. But you don't have to do it alone. If I ended up alone during this, I would have ended up dead. I would have. I couldn't do it by myself. And so the last thing that I want to send home is to reach out. The way that I combat my anxiety is I reach out. I tell people when I have cravings and when I have triggers. I tell people when I'm struggling. I tell people when I can't calm down and when I'm worried about things. I, I talk about it. And the power of talking about it just in this podcast alone, I'm not even talking to anyone in person, helps me calm down. It, it helps me. The, the process of taking it from my brain and pushing it out my mouth is astronomically helpful. And then what happens is I share my story and somebody relates with it. And they say, oh my God, I've done that same thing. And then what happens is I'm not alone anymore. I get this feeling of, oh my God, I can talk about these things and I can, I can relate with people because people relate with me and I'm not alone anymore. I never was in the first place, but for some reason my anxiety and my mind kept telling me that I was and that's not the case. 
reach out. Please reach out. Uh, reach out to us on Instagram. Reach out to a therapist. Reach out to a friend, a family member, anyone. If you see somebody struggling, reach out to them. Just say hi. That's really hard when you are actually struggling with anxiety. So I could see why you wouldn't reach your hand out to a random stranger to say hi. Um, but it's true. Reach out and it, and it will help so much. All right. To end it, I just want to thank everybody for listening. Again, you guys are incredible. And soon we're going to have everything set back up where it's me, Mike, and Kevin, and even possibly Charlie. And we're going to keep bringing guests on. We're in the process of doing it right now. But the the seven-hour time change is a little different. And so we're trying to figure out a schedule that'll work. But in the meantime... I will keep bringing podcasts. Uh, please reach out on Instagram if there's anything you guys want to hear about or anything like that. Like I said in the beginning of the podcast, we'd love to talk about it. So take care, guys, and we will see you next week.